Daniel 9 and starting at verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonians' kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. O Lord, we and our kings, our princes and our fathers are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us, because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing upon us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of Israel, out of Egypt rather, with a mighty hand, and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day. We have sinned. We have done wrong. O Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, Look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Father, we thank you for Jean. We thank you for the giftings you've given him. And we pray that as he brings your word to us this morning, that it will carry your power and authority within it, and that we will hear from you. 
in the words that he speaks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Paul. Good morning to all. It's again a privilege for me today to uh, share the word of God with you. It's, um, it's quite a, a very long text to read, um, but I wanted to read those 19 verses so that we can uh, have an understanding of the context, even though we would not um, look into all of it um, today. And the theme we're looking into is prayer and, and unity in the context of uh, of revival, of we started this this hearing uh, some some weeks ago, and rather than standing here and and tell you what what is prayer is, all of us we we do pray. We know what what prayer is, and it would be funny to to say prayer is this or that because we all have um, a different approach to to the prayer. But as we're looking into the context of um, revival, um, I felt that we can be looking into uh, Daniel's uh, prayer lifestyle and, and uh, probably bring about three principles um, from what uh, we can observe in, in Daniel's life. And... Um, Prayer and unity, those are the two ingredients of, of revival. I, I would say those are the, the two main ingredients. And listening to, to the previous um, talks on it, we again and again uh, saw how uh, prayer was quite significant with examples of revival that's, that's taken place. And... Um, but, but at the same time, um, prayer without unity um, is probably going to be a bit selfish uh, in terms of seeing God operating in a, in a nation or in a town. So when the body of Christ come together in, in, in prayer, not only the prayer is so much powerful, but the prayer also contributes to, uh, to the unity. So as we, we look into uh, prayer and, and unity as, as ingredients to, um, to revival, the, the three principles that I've observed I would like to share with you um, with, with Daniel's prayer also can be seen as fertilizer for unity. Uh, within the church context. So the three things I would like to, uh, to submit to you is observing uh, Daniel's prayers is that his, his prayer is God's motivated. And um, the second principle um, is that his prayer is God-centered. It's a center on, on God. And, um, and then the third thing that we observe is that his prayer is God's glorifying. So those are the, the three things I would like to, to bring out into um, Daniel chapter 9. And so uh, we see from verse 1 of, of this chapter 9, Daniel says that, um, uh, let's even start from, from verse, verse 1. 
Daniel says, I perceive in the book the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70th year. Daniel, you know, Daniel is one of the, uh, one of the, the Jew that is taken into exile to, to Babylon. Um, um, when um, uh, Israel, Jerusalem was invited, in, invaded, and he was taken into exile. And at this point of, of chapter 9, Daniel is probably now an, an old man that has um, seen things happening. And um, what the text um, tells us here, Daniel was meditating on, on the book of Jeremiah. He was engaged with, with the Bible study. Um, and, and it is in his meditation on, on the word of God as he, he looked into the prophet Jeremiah and he tried to interact with what's happening around him, especially in the context of Jerusalem being destroyed and what are the promise of, of God for Jerusalem. Then uh, he was motivated to go into prayer. So... Um, the motivation of, of Daniel's prayer here is, is the word of God. He is in the context of the word of God. And Daniel is, is one of those people in, in, in the Bible, one of those rare people in the Bible that you would not find actually uh, sin related to, to Daniel. He is one of those, those people in, in, in the Bible that everything about him seems to be so godly. And you can also um, associate Daniel with, with prayer. So much uh, examples of uh, dedication to God through, through prayer. And so he was meditating uh, on the word of God. And what does it, basically it is a reflection of his relationship uh, with God as he studied the book of Jeremiah. And then he tried to look, uh, to look into it in the context of Israel and and Jerusalem, and then uh, looking into what's happening around him, and then he went into prayer. Now, all of us, we, we pray, but I think that there is something significant here. Um, Daniel being uh, engaged with the word of God, and then the word of God prompted him to, to pray. As I said earlier, a lot of us do, do pray, and it is even funny today that even non-Christians, uh, they, they refer to prayer. And, and, and usually prayer can also be motivated by um, selfish emotions or it can be motivated by headlines. You know, you see something on the news and then uh, you are so emotional about it, and, and the only thing that you can think about is, is to pray. There, there is nothing wrong with that um, if, if the prayer is, is genuine, but I am afraid that prayer is, is being diluted today, and prayer is becoming a bit like uh, a political rhetoric, you know, and we've seen this, uh, pray for Paris, uh, pray for Brussels, and, and, and pray for this. And, and those, it's okay to, to pray for Paris. It is okay to pray for, for Brussels. And this is what, what God is, is calling us to. 
but it, it has to be prayer. It should not be just a political phrase. It should not be a way of, of escaping reality. You don't know, you don't know something else to say. And let's pray for Paris. And, and we see that. And, and we see people who have no regard for God. And because of because of headline or because of current situation happening, they, they would gather with Muslims and priests and, who, and then come into, into the church meeting. We see our political leaders doing that, you know, in, in a time of crisis. And, and, and they, they want to give an image to, to the citizens that we care for you. We are concerned about this thing. That's why we go into church, see how united we are. You know, they use, they use this in, 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 in their speeches. You, you know, we pray that we, we can stand together. And, 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 and I, I find sometimes that, that very funny. Because those are people who have no regard for God at all. And, but, but when they are faced with with situation where there, there is nothing else to say, um, let's pray for Paris. Prayer is not a painkiller; it's not a paracetamol to uh, to help you handle. Uh, prayer can be that, but for us as as believers, prayer is it is the fuel. That, that drives our lives. Prayer is, is a bit, it's a bit like a fuel for a car. Except you, your car is, is with a fuel, you, you cannot drive it. And so, and, and because of this, this political rhetoric and how media can, can spread a philosophy, there is a danger of prayer becoming something just like anyone can say it let's pray for this but but for us as as christian we should we should let prayer be what it is the most powerful thing that that distinguish us from from any other organization this this is what prayer should be for us and um because if for Daniel, he, he was praying, but he was praying into the word of God. And as, as you, you continue to observe that, that chapter, Daniel is he's so sorry that God has been pushed aside. You know, he's not be ignoring God, his, his life. He is dedicated to God, and that is why he feels that he can approach God and speak to God about what, what is in his heart. And um, God, God is the one that motivated Daniel's prayer. Now, God, God has created and God has initiated a lot of things, and a human has has a tendency to to modify what what God has God has created. 
Prayer is, is one of those gifts that God has given to, to the church. And, and, and it, if we let uh, prayer become um, a political weapon, then um, it's going to be a time where we cannot distinguish between what, what is real prayer and, and what is just a political ex- expression. And we know that with, uh, with, with marriage. You know, God established marriage uh, thousands of years, and we knew that. And now, because of, of politics, yeah, now, no, we don't believe in that marriage anymore. And, and uh, sex is, is, is one, of, one of the things. It is a gift from God. And then, uh, because of, of human wanting to be politically correct now, um, it's, it's been changed and so that what God's designed, it's, it's become some, something else. And there is a danger with, with prayer as well. Prayer to, to, to become something that uh, you just say to make people feel good or, or to make yourself feel good. Prayer is a power. It is not. Um, just uh, simple words, and, and Daniel knew that. Uh, there was a prophecy for, for Jerusalem and for, for Israel, and he, he was looking in, into, into the word of God, and, uh, and then he, when he realized the promise of God, when he realized the thing that God has said about his city, and then he tried to compare with what's up, he turned to God in, in, into prayer. And so, the Word of God should be the inspiration for, for our prayer. Of course, we, we're going to be aware of the headlines of news, current affairs, and those things are going to lead us into prayer. But leading that into prayer, it should not be simply an emotional response to whatever is happening, but it should be, what is the will of God in this? So, God should be the, the motivation of, uh, of our prayer. And it, 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 we should not just run to God because we're desperate, we don't, we don't know anything else to do. It's, it's okay to do that. But uh, Daniel did not see God just as, um, as, as a pen killer. In Psalm uh, 91 verse 1, it says, He who dwells in a shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my first, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. What we see in this psalm, that there is an element of communion with God. You know, it's not just because you're in trouble that you run to God or you can visit God from time to time. It's a he who dwells in a shelter. It is a permanent relationship with God. It's not because you've been hit by a tragic situation and then suddenly you are aware of, of prayer. You know, that sometimes can, can be a bit like, Mocking God. You know, I, I, I don't care about your word. I, I don't care about who you are. But then suddenly, when, when you are faced with, with those tragic moments, and you, you, think, you think about, about the church or about a prayer place. It doesn't say who, who visits 
the Lord from time to time whenever it is convenient to you. It's he who dwells. It's dwelling in the presence of God and then desiring um, what the will of God is is the thing that would be fueling uh, the prayer that we can bring to God. And um, as, as we talk in a in the, in the context of, of revival, so for us as, as believers, because God is the one that is motivating our prayer, and if each one of us is seeking God, and how can I pray to, to please God, that automatically leads us into unity. It, it, is, it is a bit like, like a magnet. You know, if our spirit is connected with the Spirit of God individually, then we are already connected to one another in, in, into that, that magnet. If you have, if you have uh, 25 pieces of metal connected to, to a magnet, you are already connected to, to one another. And this is what prayer does. Because we, we, we are desiring God, because our prayer is motivated by what God is saying, in, in his word, this is leading even into to a greater unity. So you, we cannot avoid if all of us, we are sitting, seeking God. Imagine Daniel. When Daniel was meditating, and then as, by meditating the word of God, then the spirit of God prompted him to pray. And imagine if every Israelite or 10 or 20 or 100 or thousands of Israelites were at the same time meditating on the word of God and then connected to the spirit of God at the same time and then the spirit of God prompted them and imagine um, all of them turning to God like uh, Daniel did you know that would uh, would create even a significant impact for what God wants to do in Jerusalem and and Israel. So as, as we seek God, as we uh, meditate, as we are engaged with, with his word individually, because we all are desiring to the same thing, it is then leading us into a greater unity. And the second thing about, about Daniel's prayers is prayer is, is God-centered. First, it's God-motivated, and it, it is God-centered. In verse 3, it says, Then I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer, pleas for mercy, fasting with sackcloth and ashes. He, he meditated, he's prompted, and then he turns his face to the Lord. How do you turn your face to the Lord if God is omnipresent? He, you can turn this side, you can turn... God is... So what, what does he mean? And then... And then I turn my face to, to the Lord in, in prayer. And, and in here, you, you continue to observe that, that chapter 9. You see the, the things that Daniel is, is saying in, in his prayer. It is confession. It is spleeing. It is seeking God. And with, with sackcloth and with ashes. But... God being everywhere, t- turning his face to, to the Lord is, is 
he doesn't want to think about something else. This, this is, this is what, what, what Daniel uh, is, is doing. I turn my face to the Lord. It's, one would see it as he doesn't want any distractions. He doesn't want to think about anything. This is so important to me. I want, I want God to be my focus in, in, in this time. You know, he, he, is, he is looking at God and thinking about God, not about anything else. He is he, he's so aware of God du- during this time. Now, we, we can be met with thousands of distractions in, in, in our busy life today and, and, and in such a way that it would be so, so difficult to uh, be God-centered to be thinking about God or, or to dedicate a time of prayer where nothing uh, can be distracted. But what, what, what Dan is, is doing, rather than a simple action, it is, it is rather an attitude. You know, his, his attitude is that this is God, I realize that this is so important to you and I want to embrace it. And I want to have an attitude that you... You are the only thing I am thinking about. And, and as Daniel is turning his face to, to God, it's not going to be for 20 minutes. It's not going to be for half an hour. And this has been an ongoing prayer time that you see he is dedicated. Basically, he's, he's, he's saying that I am going to make my life a life of prayer, that nothing is going to distract me from from praying, from being concentrated to the Lord. You know, he, was, he didn't want to think about it. And, and sometimes, you, you think about yourself, think about your, your, your prayer, prayer time. Sometimes when, when, when we pray for a situation, for, for, for something, we are so full for, for, for that thing, we, we, we're not sometimes even aware of, of God at all. Because... Maybe we are so overwhelmed by whatever we're praying for. And, and then it is that prayer need that, that becomes the center. Rather than looking at God. Rather than looking at how, how that thing is significant to God. How, how that thing is, is, is so small compared to how significant God, God is. You know, and, and Daniel knew the condition of, of the people of Israel being in exile, and then it's going to be many years before they can see restoration again. It, it is a big deal, but he didn't want that to distract him from looking at God. Because when you observe his prayer, he is speaking out how God has dealt with Israel before, how God has rescued Israel before, how God is merciful, how God is, is forgiveness, forgiving. And so in, 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 this, in this time of, of prayer, he dedicated himself to prayer. Daniel is, is looking, he's looking at God. He is, he is dedicated to God. And, and for us, sometimes we pray and it, sometimes it sounds like as if we are preaching to God. Or we, we just giving our agenda to God. And sometimes we pray 
And our prayer is like if we're praying for someone, our prayer is rather than talking to God, we, we're already talking, talking to the people we're praying for so that we make them feel good in, in our prayer. I know uh, Michaela is a wonderful person. Pray that she can be more wonderful, you know. So make Michaela feel wonderful. She's wonderful. She's my daughter anyway. Um, <laughs> But I, prayer, prayer is conversation with God, you know. And rather than, rather than speaking to, to people, but speak out the character of God. And this, this, is, this is what, what Daniel is doing. He, see, he, is, he is centered to God. He knows the situation of, uh, of the Israelite. He knows the situation of of uh, Jerusalem, what aspect of God can be allowed to, to this very condition of, of Jerusalem today? What character of God um, can, I, can I speak out? You know, is, is it the God that is forgiving? So if, if Jerusalem has sinned or if, if Israel has sinned, which, which character of God do I need to speak out over Jerusalem? Is, is it a merciful, merciful God? Which aspect of God? So, so God is, is centered. And, and, and this prayer is simple and it is, it is difficult at the same time. Uh, mostly sometimes if we are overwhelmed by, by situation. We really don't know what, what to pray. We really don't know what to say rather than... Um, Praising the person we are praying for, but we are supposed to be to be talking to God. But if we let our spirit being inspired by God, and, and the Word of God says that sometimes we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit of God pray for us. Romans chapter eight, verse twenty six. It says, "Likewise, the Spirit help us in our weakness." You know, we 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 gonna have these these weaknesses in in, in our prayer. Because we we're not like Daniel, we 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 are not maybe dedicated like, like Daniel. We would face those times of weakness, but in time of in that time of weakness, it's, it's not a reason to say no. I I don't know what to pray. I, I better not pray. But because you you are motivated and you are looking into God, have faith. That God in his spirit would help you to say the right thing in, in a prayer. Let the spirit of God pray through your mouth. And he said, the spirit help us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we are. But the spirit himself intercede for us with groaning too deep for the words. And even if you don't have those words to say, you know, pray with your attitudes. You know, you've taken away all of those distractions and then you are meditating on let the Spirit of God take over you. And even if you don't have words to say, as, as your attitude is yearning toward God, be in that moment of silence and let the Spirit of God intercede on your behalf. And uh, 
And because of, because of, of the Spirit of God, if, if we are yearning and if we are all God, God, God center, it is going to bring us in, in a place where we see our, our prayer is even more, more powerful. When we observe the Acts of Apostles, we see in, in the Acts of Apostles the term, the expressions, uh, in one accord, quite a lot. And they pray in one accord, and, and it is where God shows up because they agree in, in, in one thing. They desire what God, what God wants. And um, Reinhard Bonke, uh, a German evangelist that you may know, he's been very successful with his ministry in, in Africa. When, when he, he, he organized uh, a crusade, um, millions of people turned up to, um, to his crusade. And, and the, the secret is it's not because he's an amazing person. He's amazing, of course. But the secret is that as months and months of prayer ahead of, of his crusade. And um, about 14 years ago, I, I was part of, of that crusade in, in Cameroon. And so he would commit the churches throughout the, the, the nations to be praying a year before the, the crusade. And three months before the crusade, he would organize committees everywhere where people, people are united in, in, in prayer. And so the day that he will run to go on the stage, there are some people who don't know what, what is going on. And it's around the, the, the place where the crusade is happening, there are people in tents praying. Their, their job is just to pray. They have no idea what else is. And so it is that unity in, in the prayer that caused God to move in a such a way that you don't imagine. When we are united in prayer, miracles becomes a norm. Miracle would not be something surprising anymore. It becomes something normal. And so, and the last thing that Daniel, we, 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 I want to bring from Daniel is that his prayers is aimed to glorify God. In his prayer, he wants to see God on the throne. He, he says in verse, from verse 17, Now therefore, O our God, listen to our prayer, the prayer of your servant. We plead for mercy. And not for our sake, but for your own sake. Look at Jerusalem, the, name, the, the city that is called by your name. His aim is that God can take his place. His aim that God can be glorified. And so what more uh, can can move the heart of God if all of us are united to, be, to bring glory to him. What more can move him if all our desire is to see God on a throne? And that could be in a city, it could be in a town, it could be in a, in a nation. Imagine all the churches in the UK deciding, God, we want to see you on a throne. See how that can have an impact on our prayer. And so one, one, one of the disciples in, in Luke was saying to, to Jesus, Jesus, um, teach us to pray. And he's been praying before. And probably he saw Jesus' prayer different from, from his, his prayer. 
And so he realized that there is something lacking in his prayer. That's why he said, Jesus, teach me to pray. Teach us to pray. And the challenge I, I, I want to, to leave with us is like, try to imagine Jesus is praying beside you. And listen to the word of Jesus as he prays. And then try to compare that with, with your prayer life. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for the privilege that we have to, to pray with you, to converse with you, and to speak to you, and to listen to you. It is such a privilege. And, and each one of us here is, is a witness to how powerful prayer is. And Lord, we pray that you would awaken more of this desire in our life. And that we would preserve prayer to be what you want it to be. And that when we speak out our words of prayer in faith, that we will let you be glorified through it. In Jesus' name, amen.